Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello again, it is Crew Call here on Motor Racing Network, presented by Flow Racing, the home of NASCAR Roots. You can subscribe at www.flowracing.com, and this is a special edition of Crew Call, one merited because a crew chief is being inducted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Another crew chief is being inducted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. It's not the first time it's happened, but joining a long list of special crew chiefs, that's what we celebrate here on Crew Call. I'm Steve Post, pit road reporter for Motor Racing Network, joined by a 25-time winning and championship-winning crew chief, Todd Gordon. And Todd, when they unveiled the class of 2023, another one of your guys, another crew chief, gets locked in with Kirk Shelverdine. Uh, I'm assuming you approve of that, getting another crew chief into the Hall of Fame. I started politicking for it when the list came out. Uh, and, and just not not from just the crew chief standpoint, but the stats. Yeah. I mean, you look at it and, and the, amount of, the amount of wins, uh, championships, four championships, 46 wins, won one in 10 races. Uh, it's just astounding. He won one in every 10 races. He, he, he crew chief 460 races, won 46. 46. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty astounding. And I don't care who you got. He, yeah. I mean, he started at James Hilton and figured out, ended his career as as the leader of of the most iconic team, uh, yeah. I think through the '90s that that there was in Dale Senior. So, um, be an awesome interview. I'm 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 just giddy to get to talk to yeah. him. It's a uh, it's somebody I would look at as a uh, he's been an idol as you grew up. You you kind of yeah. watched his what he did, and and it's it's one that you you aspire to be like. Neat stuff, that's for sure. When you look at the crew chiefs that are inducted, the mechanics that are inducted, we have guys like Junior Johnson and Robert Yates that are very mm-hmm. hands-on, yep. but owners. But when you look at the guys that got in more with mechanical end of it, Dale Inman, Leonard Wood, Maurice Petty, uh, Ray Everham, Waddell Wilson, and Kirk Shelverding belongs in that group. Yes. No denying. Yes. I, 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 when you looked at the list of who was up this year, uh, I, I felt, and, and honestly, um, I could take my my my... 2015 yeah. feelings aside, uh, I, I think the, the the current guys, Matt Kenseth and Kirk Chelmerdine, are, are by far. They're the two that need to come in. Absolutely. Herschel McGriff, part of that club, that class as well. So fun, fun stuff. And we are going to talk to Kirk Shelberding. This show is Crew Call, presented by Flow Racing, the home of NASCAR roots. You can find NASCAR Wheel and Modifieds, the Arkham Menard series, the Pinty series, and so much more. All of it at www.flowracing. Subscribe today. Stay with us. Kirk Shelberding, when we return. NASCAR Grassroots Racing is full throttle every week on Flow Racing, where you can stream over 1,300 events live and on demand and access exclusive coverage. Subscribe to Flow today to see NASCAR legends, past, present, and future, go head-to-head with hometown heroes at tracks like Bowman Gray, Meridian, South Boston, and more. Find your next favorite driver by going to flowracing.com forward slash go MRN. That's flowracing.com forward slash go MRN. The NASCAR season is here and Toyota Racing is looking for clashers. Did you clash at the Coliseum with your favorite Toyota drivers? Clashing with the HOA who won't let you carve bell number 20 into your lawn. Or maybe your Tyler Reddick shirt clashed with your pants while meeting the in-laws. If you're a clasher, then we want you. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Thank you. 
Crew Call presented by Flow Racing continues on, and let's talk NASCAR Hall of Fame. One of the most recent inductees, or there will be a recent inductee, the 2023 class was announced. Let me just start that again because I was yeah. all over the place, and we, all, we, you know, it was just a disaster. It was a train wreck. All right, take two. <laughs> Crew Call, presented by Flow Racing, the home of NASCAR Roots, continues on. Recently, the NASCAR Hall of Fame announced their class of 2023, and among the inductees, a crew chief, a very successful crew chief, obviously a four-time champion, Kirk Shelverdine, and he joins us here on Crew Call. Hello, Kirk. Welcome into Crew Call. Good morning, gents. I'm glad to be here. Well, it is good to catch up with you. Really good to chat with you. Um, the getting nominated, you've been through the process of being nominated and finally getting inducted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. What is what is what has that meant to you? Well, it's you know, I knew it would be a process and, and take a few years. And I thought it might take a couple more years than it has. Uh, things happen kind of quickly this time. And um, it's been sort of a whirlwind since. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's got to be an emotional piece. I, I as as the uh, as the, the the nomination time came up and we we're talking on radio, I was a pretty big supporter of, uh, of you looking at your stats. I mean, you look yeah. back through it. You won one in ten races at your crew chief. You started crew chiefing as a teenager, and uh, and <laughs> and uh, youngest winner, youngest crew chief winner at the yep. time at, at twenty five years of age, um, four championships. I mean, uh, yeah, the you, numbers, your the numbers are Hall of Fame numbers. The, the numbers, no there's no doubt to me. I I felt like should have been first ballot, but um, uh, you know, a, a amazing career. Talk about how a kid from Philly ends up down at James Hilton's race team. Uh, my standard story is the judge said you can uh, go be a racer or do the 30 days. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> a lot of good stories have started with the judge said. So, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I used to tell people that cause I try to discourage more youngsters from jumping into it. Cause I mean, I really just got lucky with the situation. Um, uh, a good friend of mine, up in Delaware, uh, Jack Whitby used to be my neighbor and uh, gave me my first job as just a helper when I was a teenager and things. And and he uh, knew some people with affiliated with NASCAR and he'd been a racer a lot of his life. And um, he, he lined me up on getting my first job, which was with James Hilton, uh, as you guys probably know, down in South Carolina. And it was sort of like jumping in the deep end and then learning how to swim afterwards. Um, and I got a lot of experience in a hurry on just about all kinds of, you know, every facet of things. Were From working you on a truck to building engines and everything in between. Were you a mechanically inclined kid? Were you a kid that loved racing? What, what was the attraction to this type of work for you? I, I was mechanically inclined, I guess. And, I mean, every 17, 18 year olds interested in cars back in those days anyway. And, and, uh, I'd, I'd been a go-kart racer for a little while, pretty much on my own. Um, so I, that, that was like one of those dream things. What do you want to be when you grow up? And, and for me, it was race car driver and, uh, you know, thousands of other kids too. Um, and it's 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 kind of a pipe dream but it sort of kept getting bigger and you know the, the one huge step was was getting into the nascar in the first place especially like you said a kid from the north and and uh uh was kind of i was surprised to be there just like i'm surprised to be here today at the time <laughs> you know it was it, it was it was an eye-opener for sure and you know, you wish something hard enough, and then all of a sudden, bink, there you are. Uh, <laughs> takes takes a little adjusting. I love it. Yeah, definitely. So so you come down as a teenager, and you end up as a crew chief pretty quickly. How, how many how many guys did you have working with you there at, at, at Hilton's? Um, at the point I became a crew chief, as far as full-timers, it was just me. <laughs> so I got, <laughs> I, I got to choose my title. <laughs> Cool. Uh, 
it's sort of like, you know, the only guy left in town can be sheriff if he wants, I suppose. Um, there were maybe three or four other full-timers on and off. Um, but things got a little thin there for a while. And, and I learned enough from the other guys uh, in the first year or so while I was there that uh, they trusted me, I think. And, and like I said, I was the last one standing. So I, I must have been tough. <laughs> We're tough enough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One or the other. Yeah. Um, uh, Kirk, we talked to a lot of our present day crew chiefs, and we talk, I mean, a lot of them have college degrees. And then we talked to the guys that went to Frank Kimmel's race shop and learned everything, or this race shop, or this ARCA team, or this small team. When you look at your evolution as a crew chief, being with a team like James Hilton's team, being at a draw, you talked about, you even had to work on the transporter. You had to work on the truck. As you look at your big picture of your career, how important was that broad, general, do-everything knowledge and work ethic that you had to have working at a small team like that? It was absolutely invaluable. Um, this was 1976, I'm a little afraid to say, but um, that, was a, that was a different era. Um, all of the pioneers that we talk about and the people that are on the walls in the Hall of Fame and stuff, those guys were still around, or a lot of them. And, and the way of doing things was kind of the same as back in the 40s and 50s whenever it started. Um, you know, you needed a different part for the car than what came on. Well, you had to make the darn thing. Uh, you, you know, you couldn't just go order something. Uh, it, it's it, just the whole methodology of it was was you had to learn the basics and then when things uh, 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 deviate from the basics and you start getting a little more fancy you had to understand why those things happened and what they were and wh what your reason behind it for doing it was and, and then how you're going to do it. Um, it you know it was it was just a groundwork there that that I don't think you could learn you could have learned 15 or 20 years later um, because it, that kind of way of doing things just sort of faded out and it, it started to become a, a sport and a business. <laughs> and, uh, you know, back then it was just, it was your life. It was more art than anything else. I think. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You say 76. So you came through through one of the first basically uh, car changes that we had because we, we came from the big cars down to a down to a smaller midsize car in the late seventies, didn't we? The big cars is is saying a mouthful because they were huge and they were even the frame front to back was stock. Uh, you know, you welded plates along the frame rails to make them solid, tubular. You know, instead of a C shape, but it was still the stock frame that any other car in the junkyard nowadays ha has. I mean, the doors, the body panels, you had to weld them on and cover up where the door handles went, you know. Uh, slice the big old giant chrome bumpers and down and like narrow them, you know what I mean? And not make it visible at the same time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, just stock cars were stock cars. And, you know, before 1978 or whatever, everything out there was giant. I mean, probably wouldn't fit in your garage nowadays you know a lot of weight a lot of bad aerodynamics um you know you name it as a as a human race we naturally don't like change okay you know we're and we're dealing with the change with the race car we're dealing with the nascar now but when you look at that 1978 you're the crew chief you're working there you've got all of the cars you've got everything you know what you're working on uh, were you one of those resistant to change as the as the adjustments were made in NASCAR and 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 and, and adapting to the new stuff? Uh, I, as a kid, you pretty much as a, as a youngster coming into something else that's established or a new guy, and, and uh, you, you start being ambitious or whatever, doing what you're going to do. Yeah. You you pretty much represent change, whether you like it or not. Uh, yeah, I always hated it. <laughs> <laughs> still, still do sometimes especially as i get older every change is pretty much in the wrong damn direction <laughs> um but it, 
you know, you, as, as kid teenagers, 20 year olds, I mean, we'd listen to the old guys grumbling about how things aren't like they used to be and all this and that is wrong. And, and not too long down the road here, we are doing the same thing. <laughs> we become the old guy. <laughs> yeah. And bitching about stuff. That's how they're doing it nowadays, you know, but um, it's just part of, part of life, I suppose. It's part of how things go. And especially when uh, technology is involved, you're pretty much going from zero to hundred in a couple of decades and, and change is coming. I guess might as well embrace it, try to hit it off. And that, that's kind of how I later on, as I got more experience and more responsibility and stuff, that's sort of how I wanted to do it. I, want to, I see the, here's the curve of what's changing and here's where it's going. Let's see if we can't just go straight there. <laughs> Yeah, and 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 try to be ahead of them here and there, and and for a few years there it worked. <laughs> yeah, it definitely <laughs> did. It, it did. It did for several years there, um, and, and a lot of that was uh, was your career at RCR. Um, talk about the transition getting of of getting the opportunity to go to go to Richards, and and then you got to work. I think with Richard as a driver to start with, and then. Ricky Rudd and then Dale Sr. I guess Dale Sr., Ricky Rudd, then back to Dale yeah, Sr. So exactly. uh, talk about that transition, a great time in in, in auto racing. Oh, as you said, uh, Richard was still driving his own car. He was an independent, uh, just like James was. Uh, and he and James were pretty good friends. I, and, you know, Richard started out in modifieds and things, racing on the short tracks and, and uh built it up to to the top you know to the cup series and and but still he built his own engines he you know do car stuff and business stuff during the daytime and go home and have supper and then at night he'd come back and build engines all night you know nobody worked harder than guys like him in those days and um so the the, the jump wasn't huge i mean and that's maybe why he wanted to hire me in the first place because I'd been kind of pretty much a jack of all trades, I guess. Had a lot of experience, had a lot of things, and all those things were necessary, you know. And uh, so, the it, at the time, it wasn't that much different of a team or, or a situation. But Richard had a lot of plans for to, to continue to expand, and you know, after a year or two, they're starting to talk about downsides in the cars and everybody's going to have to have new ones, you know, shorter wheelbase and all this stuff. And, and so he says, well, why don't we build our own? we got to pay somebody to fix all these cars or else junk them and build new ones. I can't afford either one of those. Uh, why don't we do our own chassis? And so that kind of, that was the genesis of that. And, and this is right, right about 1980 now. So, you know, he had a, he, Richard had a lot of plans and a lot of intuition, I think about, the future as well and what he wanted from it and you know we were all on for the ride at, at that point <laughs> uh, yeah it, he made a lot of stuff happen i think just by sheer determination um and and really as far as crew chief goes from that point on i mean he was sort of an ace in a hole for me because uh he was there he was handling the business stuff which i'm terrible at and uh you know he he kind of ran things and i took care of the cars and it, it made life simpler for both of us i think how did uh and he was there every day at the races you know he could make the hard call when we were stuck on something i mean after all it was his car and his team and um you know if something was a toss-up Richard was there to make those calls and, and not a lot of crew chiefs had that uh, luxury, you know? Um, so, de you know, definitely he was an ace and hole the whole time and he taught me a whole lot of stuff as well. Cool. And, and, and how was, how was Some playing intermediate? Some of it I learned right away and just took his word for it and other stuff. I still had to grow, go screw it up and find out why he was saying you should do this or that. And, you know, I was a little more hard headed about some of it than others, but, uh, uh, you know, we got there. Yeah. And a lot of stuff he had told me and showed me, I didn't really realize the 
basis of it or why this was that way until years later when I had my own team. Um, you know, then the little, oh, yeah, moment comes. And, um, <laughs> you know, so he, he, he was a big part of it. And, and, and talk about – Talk about not only with him being a, a pretty strong personality and, and and being able to make those calls, but you had a driver on the other hand for four championships that was pretty strong-willed himself. You you, you probably had to play a little bit of a, a peacekeeper between uh, cases there, didn't you? I, there wasn't a lot of fighting as far as that goes, but uh, um, uh, yeah, with a position like that, there's always politics, if you want to call it that. Um, you know, you can't just stop and yell and say, this is going to be this way. And that's it. Um, you had to consider everybody's position and point of view. And so, so it becomes, how can we make this, all this work and uh, together hand in hand, you know, how can we make this, whatever our situation is with this chassis or a particular racetrack or engine stuff or the driver's preference, um, you know, we knew Dale was the guy. I mean, there was no question. And so we had to give him as much of what he wanted as, as we could, because we knew what would happen if we did, it was, you know, you got to see it. Yeah. Uh, he wanted to be in front of the other cars. That's, that's where we go. This is us. So get there, you know, make the cars so they'll do that and he'll handle the rest. <laughs> And, uh, you know, in that essence of it was simple, but of course it wasn't simple. It was a lot of, a lot of other things that had to go along work in stride with all those other things. Yeah. It, it, it sounds simple, but there's a lot of work. I, I want to talk. Basically it's simple, but it isn't easy, I guess. No, exactly. You're <laughs> that's, right. That's well put. It's simple and, on and paper. There, yeah. And there yeah. wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of fighting. I mean, the goals were obvious. Uh, everybody was looking in the same direction. Uh, you know, the, the the plane, we used to all ride in one plane once we finally got use of a plane uh, home after the races. And, you know, an hour or two in the air, we had all our stuff debriefed by the time we got home. <laughs> you know, you could sit there and argue and yell and there's nobody around to listen. Uh, everybody would say what they got to say. And, and, and time we got back wheels down, we sort of had a plan for the next week and the next month and the next whatever you know um, that helped us our efficiency i think and you know as things got bigger years later this was tougher to do you started had to have meetings and stuff but, um and nobody was really fighting everybody's agenda was the same um and that that's huge yeah these days yeah no doubt well, you got everyone on the same page that's for sure you had a stint uh, we had Dale Earnhardt Jr. or Dale Earnhardt in the car, and then Ricky Rudd drove. You actually won two races with Ricky Rudd, and then Earnhardt came back. Um, when when did you you just talked about give Earnhardt what he needs, and you know you're going to be in good shape? Did, had you seen that when you had that little that that brief run with Earnhardt? Were 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 you were you seeing that at that point, and and kind of knew that if this thing ever came back around, we'd have something pretty good. Well, that was sort of a getting to know period for everybody. Um, yeah. In the most intense uh, spotlight you can think of. <laughs> and we weren't really ready for to be that caliber of team at the time. I mean, we, you know, three months before that, we're, we're barely getting by and not sure what's going to happen next. And then a truck backs up to the door with a whole lot of new parts and stuff in it. And we got a new driver and a sponsor and a Holy Christ, here we go. <laughs> you know, it, and this happened from one week to the next. I mean, it was after I think a Talladega race. And then we had to be wherever the next week uh, in this, in this whole other, whole other persona, you know, and it just didn't happen that quick. It took more time. And Richard and Dale had gotten pretty close personally. Uh, through that time and and I both realized that we're not ready yet and if we keep con if we continue under this this much pressure and not have time to get things up to snuff um 
our success was not going to be anytime soon. And it may just hamper ever coming, you know, we might just get too far behind. So, and this was, I guess this is what, 1981. Yeah. And the chassis building thing is off the ground, but it's still very much just getting started. And, you know, we're trying to figure out what goes where and what, how we should, you know, it's, it's not something you can just design and go build it and be successful. Well, what if the design doesn't work? You got to build something else. And, you know, we were in that, in that phase of this, especially with the chassis and the setups and things and, and just a general quality of the cars too. Um, so the, the two years there with uh, Ricky Rudd and Piedmont Airlines was, was a lot of transition period for us, a lot of, a lot of building and a lot of experimentation. Um, and, and Dale and Richard kind of made a deal like, you know, let's be honest, we're not ready. Uh, you got some opportunities to go drive for some other big teams. And you should probably take them and let us get our stuff better first and things uh, settle out and term contract terms and whatever we'll, we'll revisit coming back together. That's um, so, yeah. And, and Ricky was really, he was perfect for that kind of stuff, developing cars. I mean, he was really good at it. He's really sensitive driver. He'd done a lot of road racing and short tracks and the big tracks too, uh, with his, with his own uh, family team and, uh, he, he had a good sense for that kind of stuff. And, and we'd say, uh, well, we want to cut these roll bars out and put them somewhere else. And he said, yeah, go, let's try it. Let's do it now while we're still on the track, you know, get the saws all out. And, I mean, he was, <laughs> he, he liked racing and, and getting uh, every little tenth of a second you can out of the car. Um, you know, that, that, that developmental part phase was he was perfect for that um and he was really good at qualifying i think we got a pole position um once or twice even before we won a race and um you know dale's not that patient with testing and practice and you know everybody knows that now um yeah. he, he he would just be happy if he just showed up and raced because the race part is why we're here the race part is this is when I do my stuff, you know, um, all the kind of boring repetition part where you're trying out 19 different uh, shocks or whatever. You know, can y'all guys get somebody else to do this part? Well, you, you know, it, it was like, it, it was tougher. Um, so just, again, one of those things that sort of luck kind of lined up and, and things worked out. And Piedmont Airlines was a local company here in town at the, at the time in Winston-Salem mm -hmm. and uh, you know, Richard pulled off another, another giant thing, right. But just kind of sheer will, I think. And, and we were able to build things up by, by the time uh, 1984 came and uh, Wrangler and Earnhardt returned. That, that set up a great run for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, just a phenomenal and one that, you know, I think really stoked what, what became took NASCAR, you know, almost almost uh, national, and and what a great run that was. Uh, people yeah, talk about this, like I say, part of it's the era too. You know, we're going from, I mean, uh, uh, the factories and and Winston had only been back in it a few years now, and, and you know, this is a time when it's going from almost maybe this sport's going to go under to starting to become pretty doggone huge, just in that five six years there, and then it got much more huge than we even thought after that. Yeah, you, you, you started the explosion. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what well, happened we were, there. We were there to hear it. I don't know about starting it, but. <laughs> Ten four. Uh, people talk about the good old days of racing. How would you compare the racing you see today with what you crew chiefed? I can't. I don't watch it. <laughs> oh, copy. Really? Yeah. I don't see any racing today. Uh, and what little bit I do see. A lot of it ain't racing. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's a lot different. And here I am, one of the old guys bitching about things. You know, just like <laughs> that, just like that a, whole thing of change, right? Seventies, uh, yeah. But uh, there, it's it's different times. It's a different business. It's a different everything uh, nowadays than it was. 
Kirk, one of the things that you also really worked hard to develop was the pit crew, the flying aces. Uh, your guys, I mean, they even had posters and video shoots and everything else. Um, when did you realize, and the process of realizing that and, and kind of building that into what is today such a critical part of, of, of all motorsports, what was the lead up to that, the process to that, to, to, to focus on the pit crew? I think that it's it's like free throws in basketball, I suppose. I mean, I don't know anything about basketball. I pretty much hate it. But, like, you're getting a free shot to at least make up time on the other cars off of the track, maybe pass them. Just, and basically just by not screwing up and wasting time is how it started out. Then, you know, by the time you can weed out mistakes, then you start trying to knock, you know, a little bit of time off here and there and see what you can do to improve it. But yeah, mostly it was like, this is, it doesn't take horsepower. It doesn't take Earnhardt to be your driver. It doesn't take, you know, some trick with aerodynamics or whatever. It's you guys just don't trip over your feet. There's five lug nuts. You hit them five times. You don't have to hit each one three times before you even get the wrench on it straight. You know, it was a kind of a slow down and speed up thing, really. Um, and we started to get to where we could have the same guys every week doing the same positions. And, uh, you know, even, even at that point, a lot of the pit crews and a lot of the help, even at the shop was weekend warrior guys that, that yeah. pretty much worked for beer, you know, but <laughs> a lot, some of those guys had been with Richard for a decade already or more. And they're a pretty experienced bunch too. Um, uh, more than some of us, uh, paid mechanics even so you had to combine what they know what you know and what you think you can do with it and and you know it was just something we worked on like building the cars you know a lot of other teams didn't do it they buy their chassis and go from there um you know it was something we wanted to look at what's what's the sort of look at it under a microscope a little bit what's the root of everything what's the basis for this and that and what can we change without without making it too much different? Um, what can we do to make it faster? And yeah, a, lot of it was, a lot of it was having the same guys. I mean, David Smith was the Jackman for ever. I mean, he was he was the biggest, strongest guy. He was the one that could do it. He he was fast on his feet. He had big, long legs and a, a strong back. Back then, the Jack weighed almost hundred pounds. Oof. Um, just David was our center. He was our guy. He was the jack man, you know, and um, we, we, we just sort of hammered that, that, that stuff out. And then if we needed to be a little quicker in some area, it wasn't, well, we need a new guy. You know, it wasn't, we were us already. We were, this was our guys. So if we're going to make things better. We do it. And yeah. we all got bigger than we could have been individually. I think for sure, just by being together, you know, yeah, you had chemistry amongst all the guys that so that they all knew what each other were doing and, and knew the motions that happened to it. Well, it I think you had to survive because it was such an intense life that never really stopped for years on end. I mean, okay, sleeping was necessary to <laughs> still be able to function at some point. So that was part of the plan too. I mean, you know, you had to do some everything at a sustainable level, but um yeah, there's no room for argument or fighting or people that didn't get along or, or people didn't all believe the same, uh, have the same objectives. You know, um, you just in, in, in a few days, a new guy would would fit in or he wouldn't. Yes, <laughs> didn't exactly. take long. Yeah. <laughs> well, dead. a few days was was 48 hours, well, right? Because because <laughs> you spent every waking hour together. Well, half days or 12 hours, you know, so that wasn't too exactly. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's I've used that as well. That is a great one. Uh, that is a great one. And it's, it's one that's lost today, I think. But uh, so, so talk a little bit about the, the difficulty or lack thereof of the decision to step away at age 34 after four championships and so much success. Oh man, it's, it was something that had actually been in the back of my mind a couple of years. Um, and this is, I guess this can only happen when, when you've like won everything and then turn around and won everything again. And like, it, it sort of gets to be 
I mean, I mean, there's no, there's nothing negative you can say about it, but you know, we, it's sort of like you're at the top of the mountain already. Okay. You know, the, the, yeah. you're off this, you're off the ski lift and here we are. There's not many other places to go. <laughs> um, and, and I was tired too. I was worn out and I was 30 years old or whatever, 30 something years old and, and had never since I was a 17 year old been out from underneath one of those cars and looked around at the rest of life, you know, um, part of being as successful as we were, I mean, that was a requirement. It just, you had to focus every bit of you on that and nothing else. And a lot of other things suffer, um, because of it, you know, family stuff. And, um, I, I was married by then. We were, I think nine, yeah, 1990, I had a son, um, and he's already two now, and I kind of missed most of it. And uh, so there was a lot of things that factored into it, but mostly I was worn out. <laughs> and what do I do? Keep keep dragging ass because of the just because, or do we maybe let somebody else take over? Um, it's hard to say. And plus, the the ninety two especially. It was the end of 92 season that I left. Um, we almost didn't win a race. We ran like shit almost the whole year. Um, yeah. I think Dale won the World 600. Was the only one we won that year. And mostly because he was pissed off. At the 500 mile mark, we were like 12th. And I, I think he just decided he was going to outlast them. And, uh, you know, attrition starts to be a factor that kind of that long of a race and the drivers are all tired too. And, and I think Dale just got mad and decided he was going to win one. Which name is going to have this year. And that, that's kind of how it worked out. I mean, we, we weren't fast enough and I didn't really know what to do about it or, you know, I had some ideas, but when things go wrong, everybody starts to get ideas about, okay, this is what we what's wrong. This is what we need to change. And I just couldn't get on the same page. You know, before the the jobs we had and the things we had to do, even two years out was was pretty obvious. I mean, this is for sure. This is you know, this is the way we got to go. But now now here's we won everything and then we stopped winning everything. And then what's the plan for the next two years? I just couldn't get a vision of it, or at least not the same vision that other people had. Um, and this starts to be a point in the, in the business the sport where t-shirt sales are six and eight times uh, in, uh, income wise what the championship pays with all the bonuses and everything. I mean, you know, the, the whole sport's changing into something else that I didn't really recognize anymore. And, you know, I just said I was figured I was spent. I mean, I can't keep up this pace anymore, and it'd be detrimental to everybody else, the rest of you guys, or whoever, if, if I kept trying, just because. Um, so I was out, and it was a shock for everybody, I guess. And uh, but it caused some stuff to happen. I think you know, new new blood coming in, new ideas, new stuff that we've been hanging on to just because this is how we did it before. Um, it, it was easier to let go. Um, and Richard and I were, were still really good friends. And I think part of him understood uh, where I was coming from. And, you know, I know he was upset, but it was a, he was upset, but he understood it too, you know? And sometimes you can't ha have the arguments you need to have if you're, close uh, and a new guy can come in and bang on people's desk and get this and that done and and, and nobody thinks anything of it you know it, it didn't take so much argument um, I think it was better for the team and it was certainly better for me at the time uh, would have been nice to keep you know win a dozen races every year um, <laughs> but that wasn't happening anymore and uh, you know, change had to come, and I figured I was part of it. And I guess it worked. They won a couple more titles right after. So, yeah, yeah. You mentioned 
back when we were talking about that teenager in Philadelphia, every dream is uh, every I, I dreamt about being a race car driver. Is that what the next chapter was? It was just let me give my hand behind the wheel. You won a few ARCA races, you ran some cup races and 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 had your is is that kind of what that next phase was? I I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, I'm I'm completely in in involved and immersed in this sport that takes everything you have. And then when you stop, it's there, there was no time to make a game plan in between, you know? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. But I, I had gotten to race some, um, and, and actually Richard and Dale were both behind it. Um, you know, I'd, I'd been whatever the four or five weekends that were not on the road. We're, we're home here in Winston Salem. I'd go race at Bowman Gray stadium on, on Saturday night. Um, some friends of mine had cars that they've been running there their their family the pretty much forever and uh you know they they knew the lay of the land there and they had an extra car and i'd go race some and actually i won a couple um and then uh, humpy wheeler came up with this sportsman division race and uh <laughs> at his track charlotte and pocono and some other tracks and uh another group of guys i'd gotten to know from way back in the hilton days they were building one of those cars they wanted to go sportsman racing and they weren't even going to do it unless i was involved unless i was the driver <laughs> and like i'd never been on anything bigger than the stadium as far as pavement goes <laughs> uh, or maybe some road courses for go-karts you know but um yeah, wow it was talk about jumping in with both feet that was something there but Again, Richard had been a racer his whole life. He understood that need in in, mm -hmm. in a young man. And uh, they both said, you know, as long as you get your work done here, uh, we're, uh, you know, like at, at, on a race weekend at Charlotte, when there's other races going on, we, got, we change motors or we do whatever it is. We're pretty much waiting for that other events to get over with before we're back on the stage anyway. Um, so, you know, instead of sitting in the truck, I go out there and race. Um, and that helped, uh, I guess, fan the fire for things that came later. But yeah. that was really going to be the extent of my racing and, and had nothing to do with me quitting. I mean, I didn't have a ride lined up somewhere or yeah. mm -hmm. I didn't know what I was going to do. I had a little little garage. I had a fab shop. I, I went back there and put bodies on cars for people who just did other things. I, I, I didn't have a plan, uh, which is something that's, uh, I could probably say that a lot over a period of my career. But, um, you know, once I didn't have a job, then other opportunities came up. And that next winter, the guys that had the sportsman car said, hey, we got a deal. We, we know where we can buy an ARCA car. And <laughs> let, let's go race at Daytona. Uh, so here, yeah, I knew the setup stuff for all this. I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I, I felt like I could set up a car that was safe and everything was correct on it. I just had to learn how to drive it, <laughs> but I didn't really have to spend a lot of time yeah. sorting the car out from scratch and learning to drive at the same time. I figured, well, the car's got to be pretty much right. If this isn't working, I got to change what I'm doing. You know, it, it, it sort of made that simpler to, to figure out, but, uh, February 93, the next year, we're at Daytona. Um, and that's a whole new, <laughs> it's a whole new chapter that started. Uh, but really? one really, one was because of the other, but one, yeah, you know, I was able to race because I had left the other job, but I didn't leave the other job in order to race. Uh, right. It was I, I pretty much, it was, pretty much was decided it. long ago that my, my uh, place in the sport was, was going to be Dale's crew chief. I mean, He's the best driver out there, and he's our driver. That's it. He's our driver. We're not, you know, how am I going to say, hey, I want to be a race car driver? When we already got the best driver, uh, and the crew chief stuff's working out pretty good, you know, this is this is my little niche. Yeah. And so I, I pretty much decided that's where we are. But, you know, when you get burned out, you get burned out. No doubt.
What occupies your time now, Kirk? What are you What are you up to these days? What's uh, What's What What's your What's your week look like now? I don't know. I can't even remember the last hour. <laughs> Nor can I. Welcome to the club. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I have I have, I have two teenage kids, and they just finished up uh, middle school and elementary school. They're both going sort of graduating up to a new school next year and their grades are great uh it's a lot just kind of running around with those guys and trying to keep up uh i had my son here trying to set this zoom thing up on a phone for me before we started <laughs> I, I got stuck right away uh, but but yeah i mean being a dad uh, for this, the second time around here is is a lot of fun and yeah the hours go by pretty quick <laughs> That is a that is a life lived well being a dad right now. That really truly is neat stuff. Finally for you, Kirk, when I look at mechanics inducted into the Hall of Fame, Dale Inman, Leonard Wood, Maurice Petty, Ray Evernham, Waddell Wilson, and Kirk Shelberdine. That's a pretty good club you have joined in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, every time something comes up like that, I or in the record books or whatever, you look at the names and it was some of those names were there when I was a kid uh, reading magazines, you know, like Smokey Eunuch and, and Junior Johnson and, and, you know, Dale Inman and Leonard Wood, two of my big heroes. Uh, and all of a sudden I'm in their world talking to them on first name basis and, and like, for the next 25 years, I was right in there with them. You know, it's, it still seems kind of surreal. No doubt. And you are enshrined or will be enshrined in January in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Kirk, it has been an absolute pleasure spending time with you. We appreciate you spending some time with us here on Crew Call. Congratulations on the honor and uh, enjoy the time with those kids. Man, I'll tell you what, you are living right. We appreciate the time. Yeah, they, they don't know anything about all this racing stuff, really. It's like, yeah, yeah dad's talking about old cars again and, <laughs> you know, stuff that happened back in the 1900s. So, I mean, maybe some of this will uh, help them appreciate a little bit who their dad is or was anyway. Neat stuff. That's all for right. sure. You got it. Well, Kirk Shelberty. I appreciate you having me. You got it. Thank you, my man. Congratulations again. Kirk Shelberty. Right. Thanks. NASCAR Hall of Famer, the class of 2023, joining us here on Crew Call. Stay with us more in just a moment. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. It is Crew Call, a special edition, talking NASCAR Hall of Fame. The show is presented by Flow Racing, the home of NASCAR roots. Subscribe at www. I need a few more W's there. Flowracing.com. Got tongue twi- I got tongue twisted because when we turned off the recording device for Kirk Shelbert and you and I looked at each other and it was just kind of like, wow. Oh, my God. Oh, what, a, what an interview. And, and just what a wealth of knowledge and, and giving the history. To, to, yeah. to being the, 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 the teenage crew chief for James Hilton and, and the only guy that was on the payroll. It's, uh, you know, and, and the talk of there was so much I learned out of the, 
Dale coming to RCR, then them separating and coming back when they feel like yeah. they're ready to race together. I just, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. You had, you had Dale there, but Dale hated, known to hate practice and testing. Yes. Ricky Rudd loves the nut and bolt things in 17 different shock packages. And for two years, Ricky Rudd kind of works to get things established there. And then they, then, then, then Dale Earnhardt comes back home with Wrangler and all of that. One of the points that I just found fascinating, I love a lot of the simple analogies he made. And when we talked about the pit crew, he referred to it like a free throw in basketball. Yeah. yeah. Opportunity to make stuff when everybody else isn't, right? Which we live in that world today, but yes. in that era. Nobody thought of that. Nobody it's thought of that. forward thinking. Forward, yeah, thinking, forward thinking about thinking. everything. Yeah. You know, building their own chassis in the 1980s. Forward thinking. Just, just, ah. Uh, forward thinking worthy of the Hall of Fame. The reason why back-to-back championships twice. Twice. As a crew chief. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 tough to do one time, let alone back-to-back twice. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really neat stuff. So we really appreciate Kirk Shelberding joining us. And thanks to our friends at the NASCAR Hall of Fame, our buddy Winston Kelly, uh, kind of getting us uh, hooked up with Kirk. And... I'll just be completely honest with this. We did the interview, and it's like, where does this fit in? This fits in as special edition. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Because it's special. It really, truly is. I'm giddy about the interview we got to do. And all of, he just, what a a plethora of information. And understanding, this is like, I would love if we could put this in throwback weekend at Darlington. Because it was like throwback to where the sport came from. Yeah. And, And what a phenomenal. Fun stuff. I just. Thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it. Really, really enjoyable, that is for sure. We hope you enjoyed it as well. Our special edition of Crew Call with 2023 NASCAR Hall of Fame inductee Kirk Shelberdine. He will join Matt Kenseth and Herschel McGriff. I was uh, uh, going way off the reservation. I was out on the West Coast earlier this month and uh, spent some time at the West Coast Stock Car Motorsports Hall of Fame. Ken Clapp is one of the guys out there, and they were giddy. They were as giddy as you are about about, going in, about Herschel going in, yeah. and that's what the Hall of Fame is. That mm-hmm. is what the Hall of Fame is, and we really do appreciate what Winston Kelly and his staff do down there in Uptown Charlotte. So, thanks again to Kirk Shelberding for joining us here on Crew Call. More important than all of that, though, thank you for joining us here on Crew Call, presented. By Flow Racing, the home of NASCAR Roots. Subscribe today at www.flowracing.com.